Where you sent me packing down Green River Valley I knew that if you couldn't then Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse, armed only with food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola. Uh, today is Juneteenth, Monday, June 19th. 2023. Uh, the end of slavery is certainly something more to celebrate than any other holiday we've got in the United States, especially because a lot of times in our history, we've had people fighting on behalf of the United States all over the world who came home and still had to fight for their rights here. Uh, it's not like the struggle is over at all, but Juneteenth is an important way to celebrate and reflect. Uh, Today on Mile High Stash, we've got a truly unique musician and person who does a lot of reflecting, actually, in many ways, um, in many ways that I truly hadn't experienced in, in conversation before. Munley J. Munley is an integral part of incredible Denver kind of gothic country Americana punk bands, Slim Cessna's Auto Club, Denver Broncos UK, and his own band, Lupercalians. Munley has a master's in English, and he's fascinated with books, religion, history, and a lot more. Whether he's fascinated with music is something that comes up in our conversation. Munley plays with the Auto Club and his own band all over the world, but he's been a Colorado guy for decades and is definitely an icon around here. Whether Munley enjoys being an icon is something we, we also discuss. By the way, You'll hear a lot of icons and new favorites, too, on 105.5 The Colorado Sound, my favorite radio station. We're so grateful for the support of The Colorado Sound on Mile High Stash. And you can listen to The Colorado Sound at coloradosound.org all over the world or 105.5 on your old radio dial along the front range. All right, here's my chat with Munley. Well, Mundley, thank you so much for um, coming by. And um, I think the first thing that I just w wanted to know about you is your background. You know, where were you born? What was your uh, upbringing life? I mean, oh. like <laughs> all the way back. I don't know how much I talk about that so much. Um, I don't think it's interesting, really. I don't. I, I certainly came from a upper middle class affluent family uh, my father worked in oil mm -hmm. so he certainly moved um, moved all over the place I speak so quietly am I too far from your mic are you okay I can lean forward that's easier I'm sorry no it's cool there's an arm so you can just bring it back to you you know so you don't have to hunch too yeah yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, yeah, we we moved um, certainly all over. I mean, it wasn't a. I've had people suggest we had somewhat of an army brat existence, and that we moved. Yeah. All over, but uh, certainly wasn't. It's a it's a strange metaphor, really. Yeah. It certainly wasn't like that. <laughs> um, my parents provided quite a bit for me more than I deserved, really. And, and where did you live mostly? 
Oh boy, we uh, we lived um, sort of just all over, even um, a lot along the Rockies, a lot from Banff to Calgary, yeah, wow. to uh, down to Denver, down to Houston, um, further down, even Buenos Aires. We lived there for just a bit. Huh. And did a few things in Europe, Eastern Canada, Eastern United States a little bit. Um, yeah, different places, all over. Was music a big part of your life growing up? Not at all. Not at all? No. That's surprising to me. Uh, my parents were not musical, artistic. They were both... Uh, you know, my father was an oil and... You know, just being a geologist is it, it, that fit his personality certainly. Mm. Uh, very analytical, rather safe job at the time. It was safe. That's not true. It it became a. I think it became a choice he regretted later. Really, mm. being a geologist because of, certainly the. He wasn't able to provide for the family as he was earlier. So mm. that's none of my business. Yeah. That's between uh, that's between him and my mother, really. Um, I've forgotten what I was speaking about. Oh, music. No. So he. Uh, no, they. I, I don't. I don't know of anyone in my family who, who has, has ever been musical at all or even like a big fan of music you know just just have that be a large part of your life yeah it, it's uh no my my sister my well I, I had an older sister and she uh she preceded me to in, at a university uh she she certainly opened my eyes to a few things as well as I had an older brother mm. who actually was an army brat and he, he opened my eyes to those harder few things uh, but I discovered a lot of it on my own which has been the best and which is why I do not give musical suggestions um, I certainly get questioned a lot of what I listen to and whom I listen to what is the best new band uh, just from what I how I came through music I, that's that's how you need to find it I'm not gonna give it to you do you remember the, um, the time that you started falling in love with singing and songwriting <laughs> um That's funny you use that term. What do you, do you use that term on purpose, falling in love with it? I mean, that's just how I feel. I guess that's how I feel about it. And and so um, someone who has spent so many years of your life in um, not only music, but, you know, you're so, you're so well known as a, as a songwriter. I would think that there was a time that you felt like, yeah. this is my life. This is what I want to do. I can't, I, certainly there's no... No, there's certainly no pinpoint moment I can, I can recall. 
uh, it just somewhat happened. Um, there's certainly that story out there that I stole my father's banjo, mm -hmm. which I did. I, did. I mean, I didn't steal it, but I would, I would borrow it without them. Well, they knew, but after being told not to touch it, mm -hmm. my father had that banjo because he was into the, uh, very interested in the, into the um, American Civil War mm. uh, for some reason. And somehow he gleaned that a banjo represented the Civil War. I, I'm not sure where he came to that conclusion, but anyways, so he had a banjo sitting in uh, between our bookshelves he had it tucked in there and it never came out and I just I just found it one day and took it out and um, kept messing around with it it's funny that it was sitting there as more of a souvenir or memorabilia and yeah. you had this notion of that that should be played yeah I, I think I still run my life this way but I don't particularly think things through sometimes uh, and I just I mean it's easy to look back and to put it romantically like you do like mm. this thing needs mm. no I just grabbed it and started making noise um, I think I spoke even less then than I do now mm. uh, and that, that certainly gave me something to do. Mm. But it was also in the library where I did spend a lot of a lot of time. And I have one one book from my father's library now. What book is that? Andersonville. Andersonville? I, yeah. I don't know this. Book. I also don't give people book recommendations <laughs> for the very same reason. But I, it is a first edition. It's a oh, wow. McKinley Cantor Anderson. It's a big book. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a big book. Uh, yeah. It was a Pulitzer Prize hmm. novel, I think, from 1949. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not certain about that date anymore. Now that I say it out loud. Uh, but my, anyways, my father had gotten it as a present when he was a child. He had mumps, I believe. Hmm. And yeah, someone can fact check that. Right. He was ill, and his neighbor got it for him. He was even fascinated in the Civil War at that time. So, yeah. But I have that now. So banjo was your first instrument. That was the, you know, the first thing that you remember picking up and trying to make sounds from. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, however, the first instrument that was mine in ownership was a guitar from Asia that my mother got for me, which was very, it was very kind of her. Uh, they got, uh, they were, my father was working there and he, she, my mother would go back and forth and we would as well. Um, though I was in prep school at the time, so I wasn't particularly with them. Um, but I, I played hockey as well growing up. Oh, wow. And had a severe injury that uh, stopped me playing for, I think it was nine months at the time. And my mother brought that guitar back for me to give me something to do. She jo would joke about it that 
to stop stealing people's stuff, <laughs> intimating my father's stuff. Um, so I had that. I, I actually sold that, unfortunately. It wasn't a great guitar. I mean, it was an Asian acoustic guitar, but I, I actually really liked that guitar. I don't think I've ever had an affinity for an other object that I had for that. Hmm. Although I do like one of my guitars right now, but uh, I'm not that type of person to... It's just stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but I do like... I have a classical guitar I really like right now that I don't even have in our music room. I have it in our library, which is odd, but... Yeah. Anyways, let's... So, when you started getting... Um, falling in love with music, as as I might say. <laughs> Did your parents... Uh, I mean, it sounds like your mother have supported that. No, not at all. No. Not at all. They, uh... I, th I, f I feel like when my parents... When they eventually passed away, I do, I do feel they supported in me and actually believed in what I was doing and saw that I actually had albums and, mm. and books out. Um, so I, th I think, although I, you know, they, they gave me the path to go to, to good educational institutions. I, I went that way, but I certainly made my own path and I don't know why that happened. Mm. Uh, I'm not rebellious. I was a great, yeah, that's stretching it. I did not get into trouble as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I was very unappreciative. Mm -hmm. So that's why I feel I wasn't a great kid, but I certainly never got in trouble. Uh, yeah, as far as this falling in love with music though, I'm, I'm a bit, uh, it still takes me, uh, kind of hits me from the blind side. Mm. And I think there was a time I loved music. And I think I, I even knew everything about it. Um, well, <laughs> no one really likes a bragger. They didn't, uh, <laughs> I certainly didn't know everything about it. But uh, the things that interested me. I was really well versed in, and that has certainly changed. I don't love music. Hmm. What do you love? Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you have to love something? Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a larger question. Uh, you know, but I'm just struck by that statement that you, you might not feel that even though there might have been a time that you know that you love music anymore because when you are on stage especially with slim and you are both in the in the throes almost um of this um these songs and these performances that um inspire so many people well. um I think the audience would be surprised to hear that that there's 
uh, maybe not as much of uh, love as they would think. Um, what does that feel well, like for you, though? That's a, I think we're maybe pushing the term love yeah. into a... It's just too freely bandied about. Mm. Um, maybe a good comparison is hugging. I don't understand this compulsion for everyone to hug. Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes... I don't understand it. That's <laughs> enough said of that. So maybe we don't need to apply the the term love like that. There's certainly a passion yeah. I have for that. Um, I'm also using that term widely as just as we've gotten older it's difficult to listen to to give other people my time Mm. who are also working very hard and their stuff is probably really good but it was busy and I can only focus on so much and give so much to what we do Uh, and when I do I would love to fall back in love with music someday and and go to shows Mm. I can't do that right now it's it's just it's a lot we do a lot of shows and and as you said yeah there's a lot of passion we put there so I Perhaps that's how I conserve energy and I'm able to give because I'm able to uh, put that other stuff out of my life. Mm. Same with books. Um, although I, I certainly still read a lot, well, daily, but I would love to fall back in love with literature again. Do you have something in your life right now that you feel the way you um, maybe um, used to feel about music? I don't know. I mean, I have Rebecca's in my life. Yeah. Um, And our kids. Um, We have Augustus and Hester and Mustafa. So hopefully I'm decent to them and give them a bit of that energy and but I'm not decent to them I'm probably terrible to them and unappreciative but that's just um the un that's what they're stuck with that's how that's maybe a better way to put it so um I think I'm just going to paint myself into a corner here if I keep speaking about that. So I'm going to back off on that question. You and Slim both have seemingly a hard time, and I'm guilty of this too, of saying anything nice about yourself. Well, again, no one likes a braggart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to hear someone talk about themselves. Yeah. It's just, it's, maybe that's part of this music thing right now, too, of of what it's evolved into. Everyone's talking about themselves, and everyone has made a monument to themselves. 
on social media sites. I, I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. Right, right. You know, I would like to take the artist out of art. Um, as I sit here doing an interview. <laughs> but I was actually told I had to do this interview, by the way. Yeah. By Todd. <laughs> there was a time I actually had people do interviews for me. Which I thought was funny. And a lot of the journalists thought it was funny because some of them knew. Someone pretended to be you? Yeah, a lot of them would be on phone. That was... That's fantastic. It was prior to podcasts. Yeah. It would be a phone interview. And, yeah. and so there are facts out there that are <laughs> so fantastic. Well, thank you for driving up here. I really do appreciate it. No, it was actually, it's really pretty driving into here. It's really, it's very idyllic up yeah. here, right against the mountains. It's really pretty. Yeah, yeah. Famously, you know, Tom Waits and Bob Dylan, you know, they, they were people who, when, when they were young, they would do the interviews themselves, but they would make up, like, an, an entirely different backstory mm -hmm. every time they did an interview and get a kick out of that. You know, you took things to a whole nother level <laughs> and had someone else not only doing the interview in your stead, but making things up. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there, there were quite a few different people, too. There was a little cast of characters who would do the work. That's fantastic. And I got in trouble a couple of times. From, you did? On an old label I was on, the owner got he wasn't pleased I don't want to speak for him because I don't think I can say those words here yeah um, I mean not that that was any trouble but it's just I, it's, sometimes I don't understand the the fascination that could come out wrong to you. I hope you don't take that. I know exactly what you're saying, and I think about it a, a lot. You know, I think maybe there was a time when musicians were more able to make music and you know make albums, perform, and and now the especially the social media part ends up <laughs> taking more time than the rest of yeah the experience. That's that's a fine way to put it. Yeah, I just didn't want to want you to take it that I'm insulting what you're doing. I, no, no. I appreciate what people do. And yeah. It's so flattering that someone would be interested enough and odd. And oddly, I question your taste, but <laughs> it it gets pushed too far for me mm. sometimes. And there have been people who have contacted my family um track them down on you know they they found my address and I've, we've seen them outside and, and we're not famous by any means but just it just i don't understand that um I can't even put it into words because I can't wrap my head around it 
and it just seems maybe it's emblematic of this world and people just are having difficulty finding their life. Mm. So they look for another life, but right. I would suggest to find someone more interesting than myself <laughs> and kinder than myself. So Slim was saying when he was sitting Who's in the slim chair? person you keep yes. speaking of? <laughs> um, he was saying that when Slim Cessna's auto club first went to Europe, you know, that kind of there was this family tree that people already knew about from the Denver Gentleman and the 16 horsepower and that anything that was related to that, you know, there, there had kind of already been a path paved and there was an, this instant fan base that wanted to hear anything to do with that and that you know now there's even more of the family tree with Denver Broncos UK or uh, <laughs> DB UK to be legally correct and uh, yeah. Lubricalians and um, one of the things he was saying is that you know there's a thread through these you know that maybe is is a product of your analytical mind he, um, you know that even sometimes there might be correct me if I'm wrong but some sort of a, a secret code in the lyrics or song titles that you know has a thread through um, some of the albums in the, in the kind of auto club uh, family tree but when you say that people uh, become obsessed and maybe um that's terrible that they would cross a boundary and uh, get in touch with your family but um do you feel that um there is a propensity to want to figure out all the clues right in I, some way i i i understand what what you're saying is mm. and i realize i'm standing up on a stage and expecting people to pay money to see me act like a jackass. <laughs> and it, so I'm not, and I'm certainly not complaining. Well, I am complaining, <laughs> obviously. I just spent the past 10 minutes complaining. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not complaining, but there is, there's a line, it does seem, um, or at least there used to be a line. And that line has been tested. And perhaps if, perhaps the Americans have been pushed by a certain orange menace mm -hmm. to bulldoze over that line and use a hammer. Mm. Um, as far, I feel like this could go in so many different ways. Yeah. You also said, um, I, as far as the writing, yeah, I certainly have a lot of characters I reuse and will make a mention in one story, and then actually the story comes to fruition somewhere else, and that happens quite a bit, and I, it's extremely flattering to me when uh, someone will come up to me with a book 
and ask me to sign it and I'll see inside that I'll have all their notes. Yeah. That, again, I question there. There's so many better choices out there, but it, thank you. Um, so it's nice when people can follow, follow that. Um, and I do put that out there. So is that fair of me to not explain things to people and expect them to figure it out on my own? And then I get upset when they want to figure out more. <laughs> no, probably not fair. You seem like the kind of person who um, doesn't want to give people answers. You, you know, one of the things I try to tell my kid is is to seek out questions, not necessarily seek out answers. Yeah, perhaps that comes back to when a conversation began. I don't give suggestions to people. You know, it, it, it's best to discover. As, as you're telling your child, discover it on your own and you'll appreciate it more. Mm. I also have a terrible thing about me where these books that I've loved and I won't tell anyone about, but I think it's also I'm very selfish and I, I don't want to share it with people. Mm. That's my escape time somewhat like music used to be. And I don't want to be... I don't want to share that with people. It's great if they find it on their own, but... That's why you talk to yourself, so you don't have to share it with someone. Mm. But I think, certainly coming back to that, that, yeah, you'll have a greater appreciation for things you discover on your own. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I want to ask you... Uh, about your most recent album, and then also the um, a spoken word a project that you released. Oh, uh, but first, I, I don't know if I adequately gave you the memo, but the theme of, of the podcast that I ask all the guests is um, <laughs> if you were somehow stranded in a remote Colorado cabin in the, in the event of a zombie apocalypse... And in that cabin, all you had was food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola. What five albums would you want to bring with you? I never got that memo. <laughs> I, I truly, I am not. I was wondering. I, did you honestly send that to someone? Did you yeah, send it? You yeah. sent that to me. I, it's okay. I never got that memo. <laughs> So I want to be careful and not ask you to suggest these albums as, as, um, as albums that anyone should listen to, you know, but uh, you personally, if you could only choose five records to take in, in this, this harrowing situation, do you have five uh, off the top of your head? I just don't think that would ever happen to me. <laughs> I like looking at the mountains. Rebecca and I like living in Colorado. Yeah. And we look at the mountains, but we certainly don't put them to use. Hmm. I would never find myself 
in that situation. If there were some sort of zombie apocalypse, I hope I would step up and actually fight and not hide away. And not be listening to other people's music. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the answer. Maybe we could, I can give you an answer. Sure. I don't want to listen to if, if somehow this fantastical idea ever <laughs> came to fruition in any way imaginable. I would want my banjo. Oh, fantastic. And my guitar. Yeah. And my auto harp. And I'm trying to include five things and a pencil and paper. I've had a lot of different answers, you know, and I even had an artist say that she would pick the five albums based on cover art, you know, so that might give her <laughs> solace, you know, in the cabin. So interesting. <laughs> there is no wrong answer. Well, I think I just lowered your bell curve, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last year you came out um, with, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would call it um, a solo record, um, um, you know, but it's fantastic. And, um, you know, if you're not going to um, heap praise upon yourself, I, I am happy to do, to do so because I love... Oh. Um, the passion in the album, and I love the um, the characters, and I love the mixture of Americana with. Um, I've always wanted to ask you: Is Bauhaus a big influence on you, or was it? No, never. No. Joy Division, bands like that. I actually loved New Order. New Order. I would still listen to New Order, actually, if I. So, uh, no, I actually, I've certainly heard that comparison before. That I've, I've sound like my voice has. Peter Murphy has. I don't know who that is. <laughs> the singer from from the house. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah um, I have some of that. So mm. uh, no, I actually didn't. When I was younger, I'd, listening to some of that music, I preferred a lot more of the fluff stuff. And to me, even New Order it was somewhat fluffy at times. Pet Shop Boys, was that one for you? Oh, I love Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. Yeah, I've listened to them recently. Yeah. I liked a lot of... It's interesting, I liked a lot, lot more of those electronic bands at the time, Bronsky Beats. Mm. Um... But we're here to talk about me, not other people's music. <laughs> you have multiple projects, obviously, but um, when you set off to do your own work, how does that work for you with finding the musicians and what songs to use? Um, and because um, I might be assuming wrong, but I'm guessing that you write a lot. I write a lot. Yeah, well, I work, I work every day. Um, as far as the stories for Looper Clea, I mean, I've had those three albums written for years, mm. really. Uh, and I used to be in a band 
with the Lilo's Harlots, and we were doing some of those songs. And they came to the rightful conclusion that they couldn't stand me anymore. <laughs> so, um, you know, the Libertines came together. Um, and that's where the first bash of the stories went for Peter and the Wolf. And now the, the entire trilogy of uh, Lubricle will come out with the Auto Club next, and then the Broncos will do the final album of that. Did I answer your question sufficiently? Oh, I mean, um, how does your solo work, you know, specifically when you make an album, what is that experience like for you compared to, you know, recording an, an album with Slim or DBUK? What goes into that for you? It's quicker. It's quicker. It's amazingly quicker. Mm. Yeah. You know, perhaps the songs don't come out across as perhaps they're not as strong without other people quelling quelling my voice down. But I am doing a, a completely solo album right now, which I had actually started a while ago. It was going to be I played with some of the guys from Neurosis in this really quiet band. And one of them has decided he's not going to do music anymore. So I didn't want to, I finally came back to those. And I've been um, putting those together. So, and that's actually gone, again, going very quickly. Mm. And to me, it reminds me of my very first album with, you know, a little more maturity, but you know, and th and it, things have changed so much as in the music world as, uh, as far as recording, it's, it's such an open competition anymore, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate, it shouldn't be a competition but with the availability of recording equipment and uh, It, it just seems there is such a wide array of dreck out there. That's not right of me to say. I don't, because I, I, you know, until I'm perfect, I'm, I shouldn't be saying anything about anybody else. So. But there is a lot more stuff out there, um, and it's a lot easier for people to record, mm -hmm. which includes us which has been nice. We used to have to go... I've only really gone into a professional studio once and I still didn't, didn't have to pay for it. Mm. Um, but we even had a really good engineer at one time who was part of the... part of what we were doing musically. Um, and now, since we've started our own 
label and our book on book label mm. we uh we just we can do everything ourselves we that's how we record anymore yeah. i haven't talked you keep mentioning slim but we don't have to talk i haven't yeah. talked to him since our last show and it's not even talking you know suddenly i look over and we're sitting next to each other mm -hmm. on stage um and i don't mean that in any negative or there's any so the crazy fan of me is don't glean anything yeah. out of that <laughs> please it's just so easy to record at our home i have a great mic i have a great preamp yeah and we record in logic you know, we all make certain we're on the same program, and um, it's easy. I just send the stories to or the songs to everyone, and we go from there. Yeah. Well, speaking of, I mean, what can you say about this relationship with Slim? <clears throat> as in, in my eyes, it's it's almost symbiotic. I mean, it's. Um, how did you meet him, and and um, how did this this songwriting and uh, performing relationship coalesce? And yeah, uh, well, just to go back to me being selfish, I Slim and I don't write songs together. I don't write songs with anybody. Mm. Um, I've just never, I've never tried. Yeah, nor do I want to try. It doesn't interest me. Um, Slim changed a word in one of my songs over a decade ago, and it still bothers me that he changed the word, and he just didn't want to say the word. Do you remember what word it was? Yeah. I'm not going to say it. Um, so no, I don't like to be edited. And... My editor from the books also is very patient with me and kind. Um, as far as when we met, though, I remember playing with, I used to play completely solo. Um, which was great. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep kicking the mic there you stand. Go. Um, and that, when you're a headlining band that's always the best warm-up act so you don't have to move anything and they don't take up very much room backstage and yeah. and I'm not I just kind of we became became friends with his family family more his wife at the time and mm -hmm. her kids and i'm still really good friends with his children his daughter actually lives in my basement mm. and also i drove out to pick up his son george to drive him out here to be in the band yeah his band uh, snakes is is also really great it's not for me to say. Um, so yeah, I used to babysit his kids even. I was the Easter Monday. So I stayed there over Easter. 
and I don't think they were quite familiar with American, not that I am, but how America celebrates Easter mm. is more of a Hallmark holiday. Hallmark is the company, not so I bought them. I couldn't find baskets. I remember I bought them these um, archival boxes and filled them with uh, peeps and Reese's and other things that their parents did not allow them to have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I always remind them of how good I used to be to them every time I see them. <laughs> so you say you've never uh, written a song with someone. Have you ever seen it uh, specifically with, with the Auto Club as writing a song for someone? Just so I understand your question, do you mean... With... You, you mean with someone in mind? To sing it. To sing, yeah, yeah. okay. I, just, yeah. I wasn't certain if you meant if I wrote sappy love songs or something. I would love to know that as well, though. I write stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very few of my songs are autobiographical. Yeah. Um. But yes, no. I certainly write songs with. Uh, I mean, I won't sit down and write a song specifically and say, oh, I'm going to write one for Slim. Mm. Um, but once I'm well down the path, I can usually tell where it's going yeah. and where it would be best, best fitted. That was a really straight answer for me, huh? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Did you have music growing up... Um, that you had to uh, decipher, you know, that, that might have um, influenced your, um, you know, way of, of writing these complex narratives? Or, or is that something that you just, just came to? No, again, there really was no music in my house. Uh, I don't know if that's because we were constantly moving and traveling. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I certainly always read. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I, it would be nice one day if people would, after we have all passed in this coming zombie apocalypse that you keep speaking of, <laughs> but uh, someone can look back and be influenced by us, and yeah. not that not that we're innovators or anything, but it would be nice to. raise the bar a bit in music. Mm. Um, you know, you must be this high to be able to play your first show and, mm. you know, which is nice. And we do have, that happen, it does happen more than I appreciate, but younger people will come up to me their parents will bring them they're fans of the music 
more of the auto club for the older people aren't, aren't as interested in looper clans and my other stuff for the most part that's a wide I'm going to retract that statement I find their children are more interested in what I do yeah. um, and I've had quite a few of them come up with the books and not that adults don't do that adults do that as well but it's more memorable and I can usually recall the situation when there's someone someone different who I is still impressionable mm. not so jaded right yeah did you have a time in your life you know in, when I hear a when song when I was nice when you were nice oh it's just, I just I assumed you were gonna ask that <laughs> I think that you are are a I mean I've only known you for all of a half hour now but a uh, it's been a great half hour <laughs> secretly secretly nice person thank you kind yeah one of my favorite songs by at the auto club is this is how we do things in the country and I, and I would love to one of the things that I I told Slim is that, is that you and him are are both icons of Colorado, and 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 I think that's a good and bad thing. And and the bad thing might be, you know, that some people see you as these fully formed characters who came out of the womb as you know almost almost action figures. And we we know what the persona is and and the talents are, but. Um, there probably are so many myths to either dispel or confirm, you know, but when I hear a, a song like that, I wonder whether you had a time in your life that you were obsessed with murder ballads or horror films, or if it's just biblical. Well, I said I don't write autobiographical songs, but right. that, that one certainly is. <laughs> and there will be people out there who believe that yeah yeah exactly um mm. i feel i have a lot of those songs that are that deal with difficult characters mm. and people who you would not want to associate with in real life And the character, the main character in that, is somewhat of a gray character and is conflicted, which I think a lot of these characters are. And, and sometimes people have difficulty with that, and they think because it's rock music and not literature that I, I, I must be. That's my point of view, and I'm making some sort of statement mm. which in a, in, in a way I am I'm saying you know well I'm not going to say what I'm saying but you want to open people's eyes to some things going on out there I, th I can't help I'm speaking and I'm, I'm thinking about what you said about us being characters I feel like a character sometimes, and just a caricature. 
that can be difficult yeah. to not uh, again it's as if, as if I'm complaining but I, I'm not but it, it, there is a I won't speak for anyone else but we are real people yeah I just said we plurally but I do feel like a caricature at some at times and people will come up and tell you about yourself mm. and comment on the way you look um, yeah it can be you, and you can't say anything back to them I mean they just pay $20 to come watch you jump around on stage but you know mm. sometimes it you just want to say, I would rather be home petting my cat right now. Mm-hmm. I love petting my cats. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know if other people feel that at all. Um, but that's. I mean, now as I'm saying this, I look to your left and I see an image of David Bowie, who that was his whole. That was a big part for him as creating these characters you know mm. and that's fascinating too unfortunately the character I've created is this mess so it's not great being this caricature all the time mm. um, that did not answer any question for some, <laughs> somehow I just started going I wouldn't agree with that. I think that was articulate and and eye-opening as well. And and that's, you know, the main reason I appreciate so much you coming up here is it's really good to know who you are beyond the songs and the performances, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. No, it's very flattering. Yeah. That also was confusing to people, though. You probably wanted to finish this, but people are confused by my name. My name is Munley, J. Munley. And I wrote, before my mother passed, she asked me to, she was the only one who used J. And so she, she asked f- for me to use that somehow, and I did mm. an album with that name on it. And somehow, I know how people coming up to me and calling me J. Boy, that's difficult to hear. It makes me cringe every time mm-hmm. someone says that, but they don't know different. I mean, that was just a, you know, not even my father would call me that. So, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I have. It's, again, it's my fault. I've created this thing that rubs me wrong sometimes. Mm. But, and it, again, I feel like I'm just being such a miserable old man miser and it, it, I certainly don't mean maybe it's Sunday and the weather but I, I hope it's not coming across that way like just a minute ago you, I mean it's so flattering that you would even want to invite me up here absolutely into your bedroom for <laughs> <laughs> it is half office half bedroom Oh, that no, that's very flattering. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as the questions that I'm sure um, 
uh, people who aren't uh what is amsterdam crew oh this is just it's a sweatshirt i got at the sex museum in amsterdam oh my word yeah <laughs> five stories of sex yes <laughs> did you guys play out there we did play um at gasoline lollipops um did a tour um of belgium and holland and 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 i just i fell in love with both countries as it sounds like you guys have too yeah well i mean we yeah we like playing amsterdam but yeah. i'll tell you i don't have a faith people in normal interviews where someone is, has to be told to interview me they'll ask what's your favorite place to play and they don't have a favorite place they're all there's good things about everywhere and bad things yeah. but boy there's something about Belgium that's yeah. um, even just driving into the majority of the shows it's stunning yeah uh, and it's a very as far as North Americans it's a very undiscovered section of the world mm-hmm I did also have a terrible experience there. We were playing a festival. Uh, we were outside, and it was in a sort of rural area. And I was standing bes- beside the stage. Um, and I looked over to my right, and there was a mother with her three children pointing at me and laughing. Mm. And the children weren't, but then they were, and that still bothers me. Obviously, I'm still, still thinking about it. But just this person I'd never met—that's traumatic. I remember our drummer even said something to me about it, because he—I th- guess he saw it happen. Mm. Yeah, it still—it uh, just bothers me that that's fine if the the children came to their own conclusion that. I was someone to laugh at, but for a teachable moment for a parent to instruct, that's what you need to laugh at. It was, uh, it was jarring. Yeah. And I remember just having a difficult time up until the show. And mm. I'm sorry that happens. Oh, yeah. but again, but, if that's your life, if that's the worst thing in your life, right? What, what am I whining about? You know? These th- things stick with you, and and I'm, I don't know if you're like me in this way, but I could get a hundred compliments, and and it often seems that they just they just wash away, you know. And the one traumatic a, a, a criticism or cruelty, you know, might. <laughs> stick with you forever yeah. like a tattoo you know yeah it's uh, you know that's a weird dichotomy of human nature but, yeah. but the, there also might be a good light in that and if that you are so self-aware that that is able to affect you, you know, and you could use something like that in a positive way. Because I do remember the rest of that show, and there was a family there, and they brought their child up, their two kids, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to all have a picture, and the kids were so excited. And 
and that was nice. And those kids probably never thought about that again. And that lady probably never thought about us again. And she was yeah. probably, we were probably just, it was probably her neighbor's farm and she was able to come in for free. And, right. Uh, you know, so, you know, I know I'll never see those people again, but it's, it's odd how those things stick with you and that, mm -hmm. that line has become blurred and, pushed even further when there's someone in power of, you know, of our, what was the sort of democratic ex experience, experiment really, um, has psychotic and sociopathic behaviors. You know, and that's, that's difficult, and people see that. And, and now that's their teacher and instructor. And mm. That has nothing to do with music <laughs> or, or books. <laughs> I was about to ask you, as we wrap up my, my long-winded conversation, but, um, you know, for, for someone who is not a a auto club or monthly obsessive who you know wants to go through your garbage you know um um uh, what is a, a lubriclean we are you well there's there's books i, I think a book I had a book come out like four or five years ago that was um it was a, uh, Confessions to Scare, which was the first Lubriclean book. And I think if people are interested in discovering what a Lubriclean is, that will give you three hundred and forty-four instances and descriptions of what it is. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you. The spoken word. Look at me. I just keep rambling on now about myself. Doot doot. The spoken word album came yeah. out a few months ago. Is that correct? Well, that's not a full album yet. I'm just doing. Um, I, I, those are actually those were recorded years ago, mm -hmm. and there's no place to put them that makes sense uh, until we started our own um, book and. Imprinted. I never know what to call it, you know, the, the label, the record label and such. Yeah. So we started all that. Um, so this actually gives a, a place for me to put them and not put it in Amazon's hands. Right. right. Um, not that I'm completely, we, we get stuff from Amazon. Um, But this gives you us an outlet to do that. So this is from a really old book, though, from a, a short short story book. But they're all from previous albums. Um, yeah, so there'll be ten of those short story ones, and then. But I I'll, I will read uh, one of the new novels. I will read read that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a larger question, you know, 
I was, um, I was raised very Catholic, and I, and I would stop short of saying that I was raised religious because it was more cultural. It was more you have to go to church, but don't ask what any <laughs> of this means. And, and we never read the Bible, you know. But my grandfather, uh, my Italian uh, grandfather, you know, had a Bible that he read every day and made notes on. And um, he told me stories from the Bible that I actually found it kind of terrifying and fascinating at the same time. And, and, and the question that I w wanted to ask you is, you know, your songwriting reminds me of, of that very complex literary fabric of, of the Bible. And I just wanted to know if, if you are a believer. Um, <laughs> I would love to give you a scoop and an exclusive, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that's important for people to, uh, to know about me. Yeah. No. Um, one last thing, actually, I was like, th this conversation reminds me a lot of actually one of my favorite bands is an English punk band called the Subhumans. And their uh, singer songwriter, Dick Lucas, is very annoying. <laughs> maybe, maybe annoying in, in how in, intense he is about politics. Huh. And, and, uh, Interesting. And it's, again, yeah. no, yeah. I don't know who the subhumans yeah. are yeah. or this person. And I was making a joke about yeah. myself being annoying. <laughs> no. Please, no one infer that I yeah. have a grievance. Um, the subhumans um, are a band that that you know they started when when Dick was probably eighteen. And, and I've I've certainly heard the name. Yeah, I I don't know their music though. But that and sounds it, interesting. And their songs have always been political and so fervent and um i actually um interviewed him exactly where i it just happened but um i interviewed him while smoking cigarettes under a bridge in the rain in glasgow which is kind of it just happened but i thought wow this is like the perfect place to to interview this this guy and i and i asked him have you ever just wanted to press pause and write a song about <laughs> your girlfriend? You know, just a straight up love song. And and knowing your catalog and your getting to know your brain a, a little bit, um, is that something that you've ever either considered or, or done? No. <laughs> you just feel like subjects covered. Well, it, it, well, you're trying to make me speak about other people, <laughs> uh, and I just, I, it doesn't interest me. Yeah. Anything I've 
doesn't interest me. I write stories. Yeah. Um, I do know if I ever wrote a song about Rebecca, she would um, not be pleased. Which is probably, which is a good thing, which is uh, perhaps why she can stand me, that she knows I wouldn't be asinine to do something like that. It just, uh, it's, it just seems... It's, it's just something you know, uh, you know, you, you like a certain type of music and you know you don't like this type of music and yeah. you like a certain type of book, you don't want to read this genre that mm -hmm. a middle American housewife would read. Um, you know, it, it doesn't just... There's, it's not even a thought. I mean, it actually comes back to the being alone in a cabin. It just wouldn't happen. Right. It's not a reality for me. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for opening up and being honest. and uh, Honest. You know, <laughs> making the trek up here today. Oh, thank you. It, it is honestly, it's really flattering and questionable that you would want to speak to me thank you yeah man I'll give you another hour then I gotta run I gotta fly away leave you to fall that was Munley J. Munley and me talking about his life his eccentricities and um his genius I, I feel and also um I like his sense of humor very subtle. Uh, you'll never meet anyone like Munley, and um, I'm so grateful he came up to Boulder to sit down and, and talk with me. Uh, Munley is playing with Slim Cessna's Auto Club all over Europe this summer, and the Auto Club has its big Levitt Pavilion show in Denver Sunday, August 6th. I hope to see you there. I also hope you leave a review of Mile High Stash on Apple Podcasts sometime. It really does help. See you next Monday, as usual. Everything will fall I wanna go back to Montreal